Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Oh, Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank, and if you're tuning in early in the week, that means it's time to check in on the opening lines for the upcoming week in the National Football League. You hear the, pre-ad, the pre-roll ad every week from our good friends at WinBet, and now uh, we're going to check in with our buddy at WinBet, Joe Fan, uh, as uh, we bring him back on the podcast to talk about some of the opening lines for National Football League Week 6 action as the bye weeks begin across the National Football League. So a little bit of a smaller rotation, but still plenty to discuss. Joe, thanks a lot for your time. How you doing? I'm good, man. Great to chat with you. How are you? Yeah, doing pretty well, and I know uh, I hope both of us tomorrow – our employers will give us a little bit of leeway at work because I got my Phillies playing game one against the Braves at one o'clock Eastern. And I know your M's are up next uh, in the afternoon window as well. So I hope we're able to kind of watch the games without too much grief at work. <laughs> yeah, some nutty comebacks for both of our teams. The Phillies scoring six in the ninth on Friday and the Mariners overcoming an 8-1 deficit on Saturday. Playoff baseball is a lot of fun. I I, I didn't I, don't, I can't I can't tell you I knew what this was like really going in uh, yeah. in the last weekend, but I'm enjoying it and I can't wait for what's to come this week. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we just saw on Monday Night Football. A little bit of uh, controversy, questionable coaching decisions in the AFC West yet again. I feel like Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett, and Brandon Staley always keep us busy with content to discuss, and uh, obviously another roughing the passer call that kind of went uh, awry there on Derek Carr, called on, uh, I believe, Chris Jones. So Kansas City wins, Raiders cover, game goes over the total. Another close loss for the Raiders. 
Patrick Mahomes continues to dominate straight up against the AFC West. Your reaction to Monday Night Football? The Raiders have been dominant two weeks in a row now in the trenches offensively. Josh Jacobs is just yeah. feasting. I mean, one of the best value picks in all of fantasy football. If if you if you got him in a couple leagues, uh, twenty one for a buck fifty four uh, and another touchdown. They, he dominated Denver last week, and so uh, you can see that's where their strength is. Uh, especially when Darren Waller goes down. They don't necessarily have the firepower outside of Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro has been quiet so far this year. Even Adams, outside of of really week one, he hasn't seen the volume. Uh, more of a Gabe Davis stat line in this one with three catches for a buck 24 and two touchdowns. So they've really relied on Josh Jacobs and have done so successfully. Um, I, I sort of liked the going for two decision. Um, I, I, I get it both ways. Uh, that certainly didn't bother me as much as uh, as the officials, um, you know, you give Kansas City a, a second chance uh, on the defensive holding on a field goal trial, what, with fourth and 15, something absurd like that. And then uh, the roughing the passer penalty was ridiculous against Chris Jones. The refs have it out for Chris Jones, apparently, because the yeah. unsportsmanlike conduct call a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis was absurd, uh, helped Indianapolis win that game. They don't win that game without that penalty. And then Chris Jones gets called for the roughing the passer, and they missed an egregious hold in the last drive. Yeah. Luckily for Kansas City, it didn't cost them the game. But uh, I just the officials just just nauseating, man, week after week. All right. Well, let's fast forward and discuss some of the highlighters for Week Six in terms of the opening lines. And I don't know that we can call this a highlighter, but it is a primetime game, and we know that that will always garner more action. Washington Commanders. Going to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Looks like at WinBet you guys have it as a pick A total of just 38. The big question is how do you trust either one of these teams with your money right now? Yeah, I don't know if I'll watch this game if I can help it. Hopefully I'm <laughs> drunk celebrating a, a Mariners win that uh, afternoon against the right. Astros in Game 2 before they fly on home to Seattle on Friday uh, for a game Saturday. I, I just have zero interest to watch either of these games or either of these teams. You see, you know, just the, some of the worst quarterback play in the entire league. Ron Rivera throwing Carson Wentz all the way under the bus uh, in his press conference on Monday morning saying, you know, what's the difference between you and the Eagles and the Cowboys? And he said, yeah. quarterback play. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if I've ever seen a coach throw his quarterback under the bus quite like that, especially a veteran guy. Um, who you traded, what, a conditional second-round pick for. Uh, that was crazy. And I think, it, you know, we saw Matt Rule get fired. And I think um, Ron Rivera could be, you know, shortly behind him. Yeah, no, I, I certainly think so. So, you know, maybe that's a bit of a gambling angle if you wanted to back Washington in this game with a little more desperation. But, of course, when you hear a comment like that, I guess you have to wonder if he still has the locker room, right? Yeah, I don't know how you can keep the locker room when you're in the media saying your quarterback yeah. sucks, especially when Dallas's quarterback is Cooper Rush, who, yeah, he's been great. That's not a knock on Cooper Rush, but if you're a Washington fan, you're saying, or a player on that team, you're saying that he's not even talking about Dak. You know, if you're talking about Dak and Jalen right. Hurts, okay, but you're talking about Cooper Rush, who's been really good, but, you know, just admitting that, you know, you'd rather have Cooper Rush than Carson Wentz is. Uh, quite the indictment, and maybe Carson Wentz has also lost the locker room. I mean, that happened in Philly, and it might have happened yeah. in Indianapolis. And so, all things considered, I don't care what you call them, Washington football team, Redskins, Commanders, that franchise <laughs> remains an absolute mess. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's get to some of the early highlighters in the early window, I should say, on Sunday, October the 16th. 
And Joe, I wanted to start in Hotlanta, where speaking of bad rough for the passer calls, I think the more egregious one, which is hard to say, given how bad the one on Chris Jones was tonight, was, of course, the one called yesterday on Grady Jarrett. And Atlanta, for us gamblers, 5-0 and against the spread and had a real shot had that roughing the passer laundry not come on the field yesterday to come all the way back from 21 nothing down and perhaps steal that game in Tampa. So Atlanta, while they are only 2-3 and three straight up, as I said, covering a lot of numbers and playing hard and showing some grit and toughness and compete level for Arthur Smith, that I think some people maybe didn't see coming into the year. Um, and they are a five and a half point home dog against San Francisco, a total of 43 and a half. And I do want to point out one thing that I think is really important when we talk about San Francisco in this spot. It might appeal to originally be a little tricky, bit given that it is the second straight game in the Eastern time zone for the 49ers, having played the Panthers yesterday. But the Panthers are, excuse me, the 49ers are staying at a resort, I believe, in West Virginia. And Kyle Shanahan, this is one thing I think that is important with these West Coast teams to look up if they're staying. And, you know, Shanahan is one that has really mastered the whole back to back East Coast game thing. So if you like the 49ers, I wouldn't hesitate to lay the points. And I do think. There will be a time, maybe sooner rather than later, where the Falcons do look like that team preseason that everybody thought would be one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, I I think Atlanta's been tremendous, and I think we need to put some respect on Arthur Smith's name. And I know he was a hot candidate coming out of Tennessee, and he he earned that job. It was well-deserved. But um, I think, you know, there was just no anticipation that he would be in the coach of the year conversation he probably ultimately won't be because you're going to have guys like Sirianni and even maybe Dable or sure or Mike McDaniel of Tua comes back that are going to be winning teams and probably in the playoffs but there's no denying uh, I would honestly put Robert Sala sort of in the same category and yeah. we'll get to the Jets but um, yeah they fight hard till the end and you look at how well they play in the fourth quarter really outside of that fourth quarter against the Saints that's the game they should have won um, they've been really good they almost came back and beat the Rams they had the ball in plus territory to win outright uh, the, they beat the Seahawks with fourth quarter touchdowns. Uh, they beat the Browns with fourth quarter scores and they come back from uh, a big deficit in Tampa. They're down 21, nothing and are one egregiously terrible call away from having the ball down six, needing a touchdown to win it, not even send it to overtime. So I, I couldn't agree more. You hold Tampa Bay scoreless from six Oh nine in the third quarter uh, on uh, it's, it's on both sides of the football um, and I just think they've been tremendous. All right, let's go to another game uh, in the state of Florida. Well, I suppose this game's in Atlanta, but the Falcons were in Florida against Tampa this past week. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, you mentioned Mike McDaniel hosting the Minnesota Vikings. This is an interesting one in the early window because you have Minnesota – uh, save for the week two primetime game in Philadelphia. The Vikings have looked pretty good. Now, granted, they certainly didn't uh, have their A game uh, against the uh, Bears at times yesterday, letting Chicago back into it. But they still win by a touchdown, no cover, as it looked like that was that number was at about seven and a half at most sports books. But how do you kind of see the gambling impact here of uh, Teddy Bridgewater probably being out? and what that does to this point spread in Minnesota going on the road. Not that Miami is a great home field, but uh, it kind of feels like the Dolphins are uh, maybe leaking oil uh, after a hot 3-0 start, and Minnesota might be catching them at a good time. Yeah, it's really hard to say when Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt one play into the game. They're down to their third-string quarterback on the road against the Jets team that I just mentioned is fighting hard and has some young talent. Zach Wilson didn't turn the ball over this one. Um, and so – 
I'm not going to write off the Dolphins yet. I want to see who plays at quarterback. I think Teddy Bridgewater still plays because it's been I've been I've seen on Twitter that he didn't even have a concussion. He think like, he was checked and like the new protocol, the protocol but has the game right confirmed he has concussion. I think he still plays in this game. I think they're being overly cautious. You know, I I, I get that after how much they botched the Tua situation, but the Vikings are a really hard team to invest time and money into. Um, they almost lose. Uh, yeah. To the Bears, almost lost to the Lions points. too. Yeah, they should have lost to the Lions. Yeah, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson had had big games, but I just don't know if there's anything there that says uh, a real significant edge to where you want to bet on the Vikings on the road. And I know we're outside of September, so Miami isn't the home field it is in the first month of the season, but probably just a, a game I stay away from uh, altogether. Well, another AFC North, excuse me, AFC East, NFC North matchup that uh, maybe is a little more interesting than we thought at the beginning of the year features those New York Jets. Gang Green, as you've touched on a little bit here uh, in the early window on Sunday, one o'clock Eastern, 12 noon Central. They will go to Lambeau Field and WinBet has the Jets as a seven point dog in this game, a total of 46. And Joe, I think. Uh, your points about the Jets are well taken and Robert Sala perhaps coaching his way into the early season coach of the year conversation. And the Packers, on the other hand, speaking of uh, the New York teams, while well, the Giants just beat the Packers on a neutral site yesterday in London, uh, Packers kind of leaking oil a little bit as they won a close game a few weeks ago in Tampa, law, or won another close game that probably shouldn't have been as close, no cover against New England, and then lost a close game last week against the Giants. I got to be honest, Joe, I don't feel like the Packers have been passing the eye test of late. And usually with those kinds of teams that are just kind of sliding by when they are winning. And yesterday they weren't even able to slide by. That's not a team I want to give up a touchdown with. So it's Jets or pass. But at the same time, it does feel like a little bit of a tricky spot for the Jets, given the Packers are coming off of that loss to the Giants. Now the Jets have to go to Lambeau. Yeah, the Jets are three and two, but are those young guys, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and everybody else they have on offense? We saw a nice game from Brees Hall yesterday. Are they ready for this test of going to Lambeau with the Packers off a loss? I'm either playing the Jets or I'm not playing anything at all. The Packers have looked uh, pedestrian for two weeks in a row, really, really most of the season, even though they're three and two. They have not looked good. So, and it's on both sides of the football. We've all we've heard about. You know, well, they lost Devontae Adams. Well, the, the defense is going to be uh, incredible. And, you know, they almost lost to a, a Bailey Zappi team. I know they had a pick six against Aaron Rodgers, but the, the Patriots were moving the football in that game. And you saw that from New York as well. And so when you don't have the edge to be able to hold on to a 17-3 lead, um, you, you don't score a point uh, in the third or in the second half. I know they got the the safety there at the end that, that was the Giants giving them points. But that's a big red flag. Aaron Rodgers in this passing game is a mess. The running game has been really hit and miss uh, with uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. It's check down city. There's nothing vertical. Um, to me, the Jets would be the play here. Getting a touchdown, yeah, Lambeau's a tough place to play. But you just saw what Bailey Zapp was able to do two weeks ago, and they followed up with a clunker and – um in London so unless you can get some Aaron Rodgers what two three years ago relax energy where he comes out and just sets the world on fire um I wish I don't feel like is coming because there's nothing that indicates that it is based on what his recent play is you look at Zach Wilson just don't just do what you just did 14 to 21 210 yards 
Uh, don't turn the ball over. Let your rookies make plays. Uh, Brees Hall was tremendous with 100 receiving yards and 97 uh, rushing yards, almost the 100-100 game. Um, I do like the Jets actually getting the touchdown okay. here even as the road team. Well, uh, there's another touchdown, or excuse me, uh, underdog in a similar price range that I'm interested in, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers catching eight on win bet, a total of 43.5. Steelers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that is. And, Joe, when we talk about teams that are just kind of sliding by, maybe not looking great in doing so, and therefore it makes it difficult to back them as hefty favorites, Green Bay being one of them, I think Tampa in the NFC, excuse me, fitting that bill as well. You kind of felt like yesterday they get up 21 donut and, you know, they're playing Atlanta, a team that, as I said, really hasn't looked like that team preseason that everybody thought would be one of the worst in the league. And yet they kind of take their foot off the gas. And we can absolutely credit Atlanta, as we did earlier when we were talking about that Falcon game against the 49ers. But I do think that that also says that the Bucs are a tricky team to give up a lot of points with when it comes to covering these big numbers. And you look at the Steelers. And Kenny Pickett did have a nice passing day yesterday. Now, obviously, they were behind. A lot of that is game flow dependent against the Buffalo Bills. But now he's coming back home. I generally like to back good coaches coming off of games in which they're blown out. And Mike Tomlin, I I just have a hard time thinking that this is wave the white flag territory for Pittsburgh. I'm not saying the Steelers are going to massively turn their season around sitting at one and four after four games five weeks. But I do think there could be a little bit of a get-right element here for the Steelers, enough to cover this number. How do you see this game? It just kind of makes me uh, sick uh, to think about backing a Steelers team that has just been so bad this year, one and four. But, um, you know, every point you made is valid with Tampa Bay. And they haven't played well enough to justify being an eight-point road favorite against anybody. And it's important to look into that game against the Bills. You know, a 98-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen to Gabe Davis, a 62-yard touchdown pass uh, from Josh Allen to Gabe Davis. And that's not to say you you can't take it away, but what have you seen from Tampa Bay's offense that suggests they're going to get those sorts of explosive plays in the passing game? They just haven't been there so far uh, for the Bucs. So, yeah, I agree with you. This isn't a a foot-on-the-gas team that, that, you know, we've seen – the last two years with Tom Brady as an MVP candidate in the offense, arguably the best in football. They're nowhere near that form. Uh, and the defense has been okay, but but certainly not the juggernaut that we expected them to be. Um, similarly, you know, especially in the last couple of weeks, uh, similarly to Green Bay, that's been much leakier. So, yeah, I do like the Steelers here. I don't know if I'll play it, but I think just like the Jets, I would say, um, for me, it's a, it's a you take the underdog or you don't take it at all. All right, Joe, let's get to a few more games in this early window. It's pretty front-loaded now that I look at the schedule. A lot of games in the 1 o'clock Eastern window on Sunday. And uh, let's get to a divisional matchup in the AFC South where the Colts come off the mini-bye having played Thursday night as a two-point home favorite against Jacksonville, total of 42. And, you know, Indianapolis, not a home field that you immediately default to thinking is elite. So I think not all home fields are created equal. And so at two, this number probably indicates that the oddsmakers look at these as even teams, uh, which I think is probably fair, given Jacksonville kind of coming back to earth a bit, losing in Philly, which no shame there. But uh, certainly yesterday, head scratcher from the Jags losing by a touchdown at home as a touchdown favorite against the Houston Texans. So. Is this a bounce back spot for Jacksonville 
Or is this where, you know, historically under Frank Reich, we've always seen Indianapolis slow starting team get on, uh, you know, stretches in the middle of the season where they look good. And then their postseason fate has kind of gone both ways under Reich in December's in years past. Now we look at them and say, are they coming out of that early season lull, albeit with a very ugly win against Denver and about to get back on track and maybe, you know, win this game and start to stack some wins together. We would think Jonathan Taylor is back for Indianapolis. Uh, How do you see this game? Have you deviated enough from Jacksonville, given the hot start that we saw the Jags get on to the point where Indianapolis would be the side? I think this is a tricky one. One, it's sort of surprising to see two division rivals play twice, get both, you know, get the entire season series out of the way in the first six weeks of the season. That's what you're seeing here in week two. uh, The Jags shut out the Colts. This is a team that's had the Colts number. We go back to week 18 last year where the Colts were in a win and in situation. The Jags beat them on the road. uh, I believe, I don't think that game was in Jacksonville. I think it was in Indianapolis, but regardless um, this team has had trouble with Jacksonville, just like Jacksonville has had trouble with Houston. It's sort of the, uh, the circle of life in the AFC South. Um, I, I am. I was just the, the Jags' performance was just so heinous on Sunday, and you know it was third and twenty and a brutal penalty against defense, and it leads to uh, Houston's go-ahead and game-winning touchdown. But Indianapolis has been pretty much terrible for all five games they've played in. Uh, they beat the Chiefs based on the Chiefs imploding. Lucky game or lucky call at the end uh, with the Chris Jones unsportsmanlike penalty. Matt Ryan and this offense, they are broken. They didn't score a single point against the Jags in week two. I don't know what I've seen that would indicate they'd be better uh, in this spot just because they're at home. The Jags defense, uh, now they did give a bunch of uh, yards to Damian Pierce. 26 carries, 99 yards. He also broke 18 tackles. It was a PFF record what I saw in that performance. So Damian Pierce was great. You tackle a bit better. Uh, they've been great against the pass. They should dominate again. Uh, and then you just look to Trevor Lawrence a couple weeks in a row, turning the ball over a ton. So that has to be fixed. Can't turn the ball over twice without, without throwing a touchdown. But I do like the Jags. As underdogs, give me plus money. I'm going to skip the plus two and just go with the money line at plus 115. All right. Uh, let's get to a couple more early window games. And uh, somebody at two and three in a pair of not great divisions is going to get to three and three and perhaps put some heat on their respective first place teams. And I'm talking about the NFC South and the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals at two and three going to New Orleans to take on the Saints an identical two and three for New Orleans. And uh, the Saints certainly needed a win to, uh, I don't want to say keep their season alive, but certainly uh, give themselves a, uh, a necessary shot in the arm, let's say. Uh, and they beat Seattle as five and a half point home chalk and cover and then you look at the Bengals, started 0-2, won a couple games, lost a tight one in Charm City, and now the Bengals sitting at 2-3. and three, But we mentioned Pittsburgh struggling, and Cleveland can't get out of its own way at the moment. So the Bengals certainly not losing ground on the other teams in the North, but certainly don't want to get too far behind the Ravens. So one of these teams, uh, unless there's a tie, one of these teams is going to get to 3-3 three and three and be able to keep pace uh, at the very least, with Tampa and Baltimore in their respective divisions. Uh, when you look at New Orleans, I think that's the team where you maybe look at them as the less trustworthy of the two teams because we did see Cincinnati go to the Super Bowl last year and we saw the Bengals respond from 0-2 to win those back-to-back games to get back to 500 and play pretty well on the road against a good Baltimore team. So I think easier to trust Cincinnati 
how do you kind of see the Saints and, and the win bet dealing plus one for New Orleans at home? Yeah, you know, maybe this is the get right game for the Bengals passing game. You know, you look at Geno Smith, who just torched the Saints defense for 268 yeah. yards and three touchdowns. DK Metcalf dropped a fourth touchdown in that game. The Saints couldn't stop anybody. They've been really disappointing. I mean, even the first win of the season, they got lucky to beat the Falcons. It took a sort of a collapse and a fluky comeback against Atlanta in that opener. Uh, and they looked bad three weeks in a row in their three straight losses uh, leading up to this win against Seattle. So um, I would I would go with this the better team. The Bengals have been frustrating. Um, you know, their average depth of target is egregiously low. It's just check down city. T. Higgins having the ankle injury is worrisome. Um, I just think there's too much talent there to not figure it out. And in a pick em, um, I'd rather just bet on the team that, to me, I think is better. I don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation in New Orleans. Taysom Hill has really been the savior there keeping the ship afloat uh, without Jameis Winston and with Andy Dalton under center. Um, Andy Dalton revenge. They banged up. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the, with the Bengals, even though they've been they're really disappointing so far. All right. Well, lastly, uh, in terms of games I wanted to highlight in the early window, uh, how about a little Wink Martindale revenge game as the New York Giants host the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at MetLife Stadium, total of 44. And Joe, I guess the big question here is, can the Giants keep things going and keep their kind of, it feels like they follow similar game scripts and they did have to come back. That was certainly an impressive one in London yesterday, having to come back the way they did down double digits against Green Bay. But it does feel like for the most part, and, and yesterday one of the higher scoring games the Giants have played, but they play these similar game plan, game scripts of, Lower scoring, kind of first to 21, is able to win. Uh, that's easier said than done against Baltimore, though. Yeah, the, the Giants are a team I'm on the wrong side of every time. I mean, <laughs> it's just I can't get on the right side. And this goes back to last year, the year before that. They cover in games where I where I bet the favorite. Um, you know, they, they, they don't cover in games where I think that they are going to cover uh, as the underdog. Um, it, it just... I am on the wrong side every single time. I've been on the wrong side when they're four-point underdogs. I've been on the wrong side when they're seven-point underdogs. Um, I, I, I've been on the wrong side when they're favorites. Uh, I just absolutely unequivocally can't get this team figured out. So I have no idea, and I don't want to lie to you and tell you that I have a good feel for where this game will go. Saquon Barkley been one of the best stories in the early going through this first five weeks of the season. Um and, and so, yeah, I, to me, I look at, at him as one of the crucial figures in this matchup. Obviously, Joe, Joe Mixon just put up 14 for 78 um, against this Ravens defense and the Bengals rushing game has been one of the worst, not the worst in all of football. So you look at Saquon as potentially a guy who could have another big game, continue his hot start. Um, you know, you want to know what's happening with the Ravens in terms of their injuries. Is Rashad Bateman back in this game? Um you know, I think this is a tough one because the Ravens have have also, you know, been mostly mediocre so far this year. And so you look at the Giants, they play defense. Uh, they play hard. Brian Dable, they're finally well coached. Finally, they're finally well coached. You know what I mean? We've never said about that. said that about this team uh, of late, certainly in the Daniel Jones era. So uh, I, I kind of lean just stay away. Just watch the game because I, I think it's going to be chaotic. And no matter how it ends up, you're probably going to feel like you are on the right side. Well, game that'll certainly be fun to stay away from. 
even if you don't have any gambling interest, but certainly from a watchability standpoint, no lack of interest in the lone highlighter in the late window on Sunday afternoon as the Buffalo Bills go to the scene of the crime last year, that crazy divisional game in Kansas City. Um, and I, I see Wimbet has not hung any numbers yet on this game, but just your thoughts on uh, where we might be headed, Chiefs hosting the Bills. It should be a great game. It's really an underwhelming slate in general. You know, Cowboys, yeah. Eagles, and Sunday night might be a, a sneaky good game. I know we'll get to that uh, as we get to the primetime games. But, um, you know, this is a great one. And I think the Bills are the best team in football. There's a reason why they were the odds-on favorites to be the Super Bowl champions going into the year. And I, I think they win this game. The Chiefs looked remarkable against the Bucks For the most part, otherwise, they've been – uh, fairly pedestrian as well. And I use that. I mean, there's so much parody in the league this year, it feels like, um, apart from really it's the Bills and the Chiefs, in my opinion, the two best teams. And you have to throw the Eagles in there as well, who they should have lost to, you know, if, if Arizona could could finish a game competently. Yeah, this has been a really fun season. Really been a hard one to figure out, uh, at least for me as a better. But um, I, would, I would lean taking the Bills with whatever number uh, you were able to get. Um, you know, my guess is they're going to be slight favorites in this one. Um, yeah. but I just, I, I just prefer the bills. I think the best team in football, um, and, uh, I'm all in on Buffalo and the AFC. All right. Well, if Buffalo is who you're all in on, on the AFC, then I think a lot of people are all in on the Eagles in the NFC and the Eagles are a five point home favorite primetime Sunday night game against the Dallas Cowboys total of 42. I gotta be honest, Joe, I feel like given what we saw yesterday, uh, and, you know, I know you want to avoid recency bias when handicapping and, you know, to the Eagles credit, they were able to sustain a long drive after Arizona had come back from 14, nothing down to tie the game at 17. The Eagles went on a long drive, chewed up about eight minutes, got a field goal and, uh, reclaimed the lead in the desert. Uh, and to your point, yes, Arizona had some blunders of its own there down the stretch after Philly went ahead three, uh, definitely should have at the very least. Arizona should have, at the very least, that is, tied the game and sent it to overtime. So perhaps a bit fortunate, but as I said, sometimes you got to put yourself in a position for those fortuitous bounces. And so I do think uh, in what was a pretty clear look-ahead spot for the Eagles to the Cowboy game, uh, you, you give them a little bit of credit for the win, but at the same time, you do look at the fact that they kind of lulled to sleep a little bit as that game wore on against Arizona as I said, getting up 14 nothing, and then hanging on by the skin of their teeth in the closing minutes. So all of that has me thinking the Eagles are a little expensive here. And you look at Dallas and how strong the Dallas defense has been playing. And that formula just continues to thrive in terms of pass rush, in terms of Cooper Rush playing mistake-free football, in terms of you know them complementing things and making things easy for Cooper Rush with a strong run game. I know there's plenty of Zeke versus Tony Pollard debates seemingly every year, but it feels like both of them are giving them some production on the ground. And Rush still functional enough to get the ball to C.D. Lamb and not completely eliminate the playmakers that Dallas has in the passing game. All of that makes me think the Cowboys are a live underdog. Divisional dogs, always interesting. So how do you see this game Sunday night? I do feel like it is a good Cowboy spot. Yeah, I think it's important to look back to uh, two weeks ago where the Eagles were um, a Trevor Lawrence overthrow of Jamal Agnew away from being down 21-0. And yeah. the Jags still only lost by a score, despite 
turning the ball over five times. And I think what Eagles had 23 points or something like that off of turnovers. And again, like you mentioned, you're right. You got to put yourself in the, in the opportunity or have the opportunity, put yourself in the position to be fortuitous and they force the turnovers. You give them tons of credit, but I think, yeah, it's worth noting that they've been, um, you know, gettable these last couple of weeks and good teams find ways to win those games. And they've done that. So you give credit where credit's due. The Cowboys are just in such a good spot right now where, it's amazing how far you can get as a quarterback if you just don't make the big mistake. You know, like if you are going three and out and punting. Yeah, I mean, Joe, what have we what have we seen with San Francisco? Really, the duration of Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure there. You know, it's exactly that. That's the formula. But when they lose, it's because Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick six or turned the ball over right. three times and gave the opposition a short field. So Cooper Rush has just been excellent in terms of not making the mistake, just doing his job. He takes what's there. He's made some big-time throws. He is the quintessential game manager, and I think he's not going to be uh, overwhelmed by the moment of being on primetime in Philly, even though it's a tough place to play. Um, I, I should add like the Cowboys a plus five here. I should add it does seem like maybe there's a chance Dak returns here, so something to keep an eye on. Yeah, either way, I think Cowboys at plus five. It's a lot of points. All right, let's end with Monday Night Football. We just finished a Monday night game between Kansas City and Las Vegas. Now we have Monday Night Football between Denver and Los Angeles as the Chargers are home at SoFi, laying five, a total of 45 and a half at WinBet. And Joe, as we talked about, as I said, the the AFC West, the division of lots of good players, and lots of bad coaches, and I think that's the thing that you look at here when it comes to Denver. Nathaniel Hackett just can't get anything going with Russell Wilson in terms of that offense, and I think that's certainly a combination of both of them just not getting the job done. And then you look at the Chargers, and you know they tried to give the game to the Browns yesterday, and the Browns said no thanks. And you know the Chargers, you know, seemingly forever charger it with rosters where you look at it and say, oh, they're really good and bad coaching decisions or now some injuries kind of get in the way of things for the Chargers. Having said that, Chargers still three and two and, you know, only a game behind Kansas City in the AFC West. And we saw a primetime game earlier this year in Arrowhead that the Chargers probably should have won against the Chiefs. So uh, let's not act like it's all over and Kansas City is going to run away with this division. But Denver has certainly been pretty disappointing. The Chargers seem kind of hard to trust as a five point favorite in a division game, given that, again, you figure a close game. Brandon Staley, not exactly the most trustworthy coach in late game spots. But as I said, the Broncos and that offense has just been so egregious. It makes it hard to trust Denver to score enough to cover this number. So I'd probably lean Chargers. How do you see this? Does this not just have the Chargers are up 21 in the second half and somehow Denver's got the ball <laughs> down 10 and they score a garbage time touchdown to cover? I mean, is that not yeah. with an onside kick and the, the Chargers recover the onside oh. kick? And then they win. But it, it, doesn't that feel like this is how this is going to go? I could totally see that. It's just what the Chargers do. It's in their DNA. Right. They, we they, saw like they, they make games interesting that have no business being interesting. Yeah, correct. Um, you can't you can't justifiably bet on the Broncos even getting five points. I mean, Russell Wilson's banged right. up. Uh, you just watch them go. Uh, into overtime and score nine points, not finding the end zone uh, a single time. The injuries are racking up uh, across the offensive line. 
Javante Williams is already out. Uh, this team is a bona fide mess across the board. So, yes, I'm taking the Chargers here or not taking anything at all because God help you if you can find it in yourself to put money on this Broncos team that has just been absolutely horrific uh, through five games. Well said. Again, he's Joe Fan, our buddy from WinBet, as that will wrap things up for us on our week six opening line report here on Full Slate. Give us a podcast follow at full underscore slate underscore pod. He's at Joe underscore fan on Twitter. Joe, really appreciate your time. Uh, Enjoy the Mariners this week. Hopefully I enjoy the Phillies and let's get together to let's get together next week with both teams still playing. Greg, appreciate you, man. Always fun. All right, man. Again, that'll do it for us. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everybody have a good week. I'll be back later this week with our jack-of-all-trades, Alex Uplinger, to give us our week six picks in the National Football League. Everyone enjoy the baseball playoffs. We'll talk to you later in the week. And, of course, please play responsibly.